Welcome to the old radio. The the old radio. The old the old. Ra- It's the old radio comedy podcast. It's episode 111 and our final show of season two. It's also our New Year's Eve special, which is a great way to cap off a great year of old-time comedy radio shows. If you're like most of the world, you've got plans to stay up late tonight and celebrate the ringing in of 2022 at midnight with friends and family. But before then, here's two back-to-back episodes of classic comedy radio shows for you to enjoy. The December 28th, 1950 broadcast of Father Knows Best and the December 30th, 1950 broadcast of My Favorite Husband. Is Maxwell House really the only coffee in the world? Well, your father says so, and your father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons. Brought to you by America's favorite coffee, Maxwell House. The coffee that's always good to the last drop. As far back as I can remember, I've been hearing about people who were poor as Job's turkey. Well, the chances are that poor old Job never had a turkey, but he did have troubles. And that's where the average father comes in. So let's go to Springfield to a white frame house on Maple Street and an average father named Anderson. Because when it comes to trouble, Jim Anderson takes a back seat to no one. Like this. Margaret! I'm home! We're in the kitchen, dear. I'll be right in. Be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. Daddy! Hiya, kitten. Well, how are all the little Andersons tonight? Hi, Father. Hello, Dad. Hello, dear. Mmm, strawberry. (laughs) I don't care if he didn't do it on purpose. He had no right to break his leg. What? I turned down a dozen dates just to go out with him, and now look at me. Norman McHugh had a skiing accident and broke his leg. Who's Norman McHugh? He's Claudia McHugh's brother. Thank you very much. (laughs) Who's Claudia McHugh? She's a girl. Oh, well, that explains everything. You're welcome. Hmm. Betty, it isn't the worst thing that's ever happened. It certainly is. My whole life is ruined. Because Norman McHugh broke his leg? He was supposed to take her to a New Year's Eve dance. Oh. It's the biggest dance of the whole year. and Every dance you ever go to is the biggest dance of the whole year. Don't you ever go to any small dances? <laughs> Every girl in Springfield will be there except me. I won't be there. Why don't you go with somebody else? And I'm a girl. Don't you think I'd like to? But everybody else has a date. I'll go with Bud. Father! Holy cow. (laughs) Jim, we've just been all through this. Betty doesn't want to go with Bud. And I don't want to go with her. I'll go with anybody. (laughs) Jim. Now look, Margaret, between rushing around for Christmas... Why couldn't he have broken his leg next week? Betty, I was speaking to your mother. I would have to pick the one boy in Springfield. Betty! I don't know what's gotten into this family. When I was a boy and my father was speaking to my mother, I showed him some respect. Mom. I didn't go on talking as though nothing had happened. I wouldn't have had the nerve. Mom. But this family... All I have to do is open my mouth, and it's a signal for the start of a general conversation. Mom. Bud, please be quiet. But I want to tell you... Bud. But if I... You'll wait until I'm finished. Is that understood? Yes, Dan. All right. Uh, what was I saying? We have to shut up. Well, see that you do. Have I made myself clear? Betty? Yes, Father. Good. Good. Now, what is it, bud? 
Something on the stove is burning. What? <laughs> well, I was trying to tell you. My um, cream turkey is ruined. I thought something smelled funny. Oh, what are we going to do, Jim? That was the last bit of turkey in the house. Well, frankly, Margaret, I'm just as happy. Why, Jim? We haven't eaten anything but turkey since Christmas. And I've had just about all I can stand. Jim Anderson. Cream turkey, cold turkey. Turkey hash. Turkey croquettes. I was under the impression that this family liked turkey. We do. But there's a limit to everything. Last night I gobbled. <laughs> that will be quite enough, Kathleen. Gee whiz. Honey, I don't want you to think that it's your fault. I never said it was. And I certainly wasn't going to throw out perfectly good turkey. Well, let's not argue about it. It's gone and... Well, what are you waiting for, bud? What? The doorbell rang. That was the back door. Well? It is my job to answer the back door. <laughs> Go ahead, Kathy. Gee whiz, why don't we take turns? I'm getting tired of the back door. I told you in the very beginning, a 12-pound turkey would have been quite enough. Margaret. But no, we had to have a 20-pound turkey. You were hungry. Margaret, if you don't mind, I'd just as soon forget the whole thing. Hiya, Jim. Oh, hello, Heck. Come on in. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Betty. Bud. How's Elizabeth, Heck? Oh, pretty good. Jim, so help me, you're the luckiest guy I've known in my life. What'd I do now? You could fall into a well and come up with a diamond necklace or a string of pearls or... Hector. Margaret, you don't know what this guy did. Ten cents, that's all he gave me, just one little dime. Heck, what on earth are you talking about? The chance you took. Oh, no. Buys one measly little chance... Heck, please. ...and I... then he wins the turkey. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> Margaret, I, I had no idea I was going to win. I just happened to have a dime, and it was Hex Club, and he said... Well, what's the matter? Aren't you glad? Oh, sure. Uh, but you see, we were just going through a little thing here. Hector, how large is the turkey? Thirty-five pounds. <laughs> hey, you, want, you want to bring him in, Ed? Okay, Hex. Is that Ed Davis? Yeah, I was having a little trouble getting it out of the car, and Ed just happened to come by. Oh, so... Hiya, Jim. Uh, easy, boy. Jim, it's alive. Jumping, she hossip it. Mother. Boy, is that a big one. <laughs> Hang on to him, Ed. Easy, boy. Easy, boy. Take it easy, you rattle-brained nincompoop. Mr. Davis, you're hurting him. I'm hurting him. After he dragged me halfway up the driveway? Gosh, look at those feathers. Margaret. Isn't he beautiful? Mother, he's looking at me. Margaret. The club got him from a farm up near Plainville, and the man said Margaret, that Margaret, will you please say something? I will. Later. <laughs> Heck, look, uh, if it's all the well, same to you... I gotta be running along. Take the rope, will you, bud? I don't know if my Come father... Come bud. I'm gonna be late for dinner as it is. Dad? Uh, go ahead, bud. Take it. Easy, fella. Nice boy. His name is Irene. <laughs> Nice, I mean. Since when do they give names to turkeys? Well, the farmer said his kids made a pet out of this one. That's why we got it cheap. They wouldn't let him kill it. I'll help you, bud. Nice, I mean. Pretty boy. Nice boy. Atta boy. Sensitive little thing, isn't it? Well, I'd better get out or I'll be here all night. Congratulations, Jim. See you later, my Oh, uh, wait a second, Ed. So long, folks. Save me a piece of the white meat. <laughs> Margaret. Well. Now, wait a minute, honey. I didn't do anything wrong. All I did was win a turkey. It wasn't my <laughs> fault. Jim, when I think of the fuss you were making about turkey... I wasn't making a fuss. Turkey hash, turkey croquettes, turkey a la king. Oh, Margaret, please. Daddy, look, he shakes hands. Isn't that wonderful? Jim, that is the biggest turkey I have ever seen. It'll take us weeks. Nobody said we had to keep it. We'll sell it or, or give it away. Or we can... Say. Why don't we keep it till next Thanksgiving? I know what we can do. It'll take care of Betty and everybody else. We'll have a party. Oh, 
Mother! Jim, we're just getting over Christmas. A New Year's Eve party. That's what we'll have. And it won't cost us a cent. Oh, Father, you're wonderful. Boy, that is an idea. Why don't we keep it till next Thanksgiving? We can invite everybody we know, repay all our social obligations, and there won't be a bit of turkey left over. Jim, it isn't a question of how much turkey we'll have left over. Honey, it won't be a bit of trouble, I promise you. We'll all pitch in and help, won't we, kids? I think it's a wonderful idea, Father. Is it all right if I invite Joe? How about it, Margaret? Why don't we just keep it till next Thanksgiving? (laughs) Margaret? Well, if everybody thinks we should. Oh, Mother, you're an angel. Get a few pickles and things. All right, bud, put him away somewhere. What? The turkey. You're not going to stand and hold him all night, are you? I don't know. (laughs) What do we do with him, Jim? Well, in the morning, I'll take him down to the butcher. I'll wear my new blue dress and my silver shoes. In the meantime, put Irene out in the garage. (laughs) Me? Anybody. I don't care. Come on, boy. Daddy, you can. He'll freeze. Well, he certainly can't park in here all night. Well, he can sleep in my room. He cannot. It's as much my room as it is yours. Mother. Of course he can't sleep up there, Kathy. Why? Because he'd be uncomfortable sleeping with girls. (laughs) Oh. Take him out in the garage, bud. Okay. Oh, bud, wait. He will freeze, Jim, and we can't be cruel. Well, he certainly can't stay in the house, can he? Well, how about the playroom? Uh, All right. Go ahead, bud. Take him downstairs. Come on, Irene. Daddy, I have a wonderful idea. Yes? Why don't we keep him till next New Year's? Now, there's a girl who can come up with some wonderful ideas. Of course, where ideas are concerned, give father a little credit, too. Yes, sir, the man of the house knows most about lots of things. For one thing, ladies, when it comes to knowing about coffee, truly good coffee you enjoy cup after cup, the world's greatest expert is that man of yours. Yes, the number one expert is your husband. Of course, to the coffee trade, we're experts, too. They know more people enjoy our Maxwell House coffee than any other brand. But when you brew the coffee and fill the cups, the expert you aim to please, he's your husband. And tomorrow, if you'll fill his cup with Maxwell House, we're sure he'll say, Now that's real coffee. Best I ever tasted. In fact, if he doesn't, we'll give you back your money. We're that sure. We know there's no coffee tastes like Maxwell House because no coffee's made like Maxwell House. You see, there's only one recipe anywhere for that famous good-to-the-last-drop flavor. A recipe demanding certain fine coffees blended just so. And only Maxwell House has that recipe. Knowing this, won't you get Maxwell House coffee tomorrow? Serve it to your husband. If he doesn't say, best coffee ever, just send us the can, an unused portion, and we'll gladly refund the price you paid. Our address is right on every familiar blue tin. Tomorrow and through the new year, serve coffee that'll please the world's greatest coffee expert. Serve your husband Maxwell House coffee. Always good to the last drop. Shortly before the turn of the century, a poet named Leland wrote a series of verses titled Frost Pictures. In stanza four, he said, and we quote, A New Year's gift to the world, said the Frost, rich lace curtains that nothing cost. Some 50 years later, a non-poetic father named Anderson said, and we quote, It's an outrage, that's what it is, an outrage. But, Jim, you told Mr. Campbell... $7.30 for nuts? I told him I wanted a few little nuts, that's what I told him. You told him you wanted five or six pounds of assorted nuts, and when he said... Margaret, just a moment, please. May I ask one question? Whose side are you on? It isn't a question. It certainly is a question. You were standing right next to me, and I said to him, we're having a party for a few friends, and I'd like a few nuts. That's all I said. Wasn't it? You said five or six pounds. 
Well, why did you let me say five or six pounds? <laughs> this whole thing started out just a little get-together. Father, may I have nine dollars? No. If I hadn't won that knot-headed turkey in the first place... But the man's waiting. Well, let him wait. I said we'd invite a few friends. We wind up with half of Springfield. Father, the man says it's $9 and he can't leave the package if he doesn't get it. I don't care if he... What package? Oh, dear, that must be the noisemakers. The what? Jim, you can't have a New Year's Eve party. $9 for noisemakers? No. But we had to have paper plates and napkins, and I thought a few decorations would look nice. Betty. Yes, Father? Here's my wallet. Just stand in front of the house and throw money at anybody who walks by. Okay, Father. I'll let you know when I run short. Yes, you do that. Jim. Honey, this is getting ridiculous. I've done nothing but pay bills ever since Hector walked in here with that free turkey. But, Jim, you can't have 40 people. I didn't say I wanted 40 people. All I said was... You said we were going to pay our social obligations. All right, but since when are we obligated to 40 people? I don't even know 40 people. Now, look, Jim, let's be fair about it. I haven't asked one single person... Since when do we owe anything to the Clarks? I haven't even seen Tom Clark in almost two years. Well... And the Donaldsons. I don't even like the Donaldsons. I know, Jim. Then why did you ask them? Because Kay Donaldson is the only one in the neighborhood with a large enough pan, that's why. (laughs) What? I suppose you think it's easy to find a pan that'll hold a 35-pound turkey. I certainly wasn't going to buy one just for this once. I know, honey, but I thought if we just bought a few pickles... Jim Anderson, you can't have a party with just turkey and pickles. Well, sure, but... I just bought the things that any decent housewife would buy, and not one thing more. Margaret, Here's the list. And if you can find one thing we didn't need but one thing... Margaret, You can't make an aspic salad without Jell-O, and you certainly have to have lettuce. I know, but... And what else did I buy? Just olives and celery, radishes, onions, tomatoes, carrots, potatoes, coffee, milk, butter, bread, cheese, cranberries, apples, pears, cherries, grapes, ice cream and mince pie and pumpkin pie and a few little cakes and mince and potato chips and a ham. And how can you possibly have a party without things like that? But... I think you're being very unreasonable about the whole thing. But... I really do. But... Is that all? Yes, that's all. (laughs) Honey, look, it isn't worth arguing about, is it? Of course not. Well, then let's forget about the whole thing, okay? All right. Good. But if you say one more word... I won't, so help me. Not another word. Mom. Did you get it, bud? Boy, is it heavy. No matter what comes up, I'll just grin and... Ye gods, what's that? Where do you want me to put it, Mom? On the table, dear. That'll be fine. I think she's got it stuffed with lead. What is it, a wash boiler? It's Mrs. Donaldson's roaster. Margaret. Yes, Jim? Where's the stove that goes with it? (laughs) What? The stove. You certainly don't expect to get that thing in our oven, do you? Well, I... Oh, dear. This is fine. Now we'll have five pounds of mixed nuts in a new stove. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. Well, it certainly won't fit in the one we've got. How would it be if we banged in the sides a little? (laughs) The roaster or the stove? We'll have to send it down to the tavern, that's all. The stove or the roaster? The turkey. We can have it cooked for 20 cents a pound. A few pickles, that's all I said. (laughs) Jim, when will the turkey be ready? Oh, well, uh, Johnny said if I'd bring it over to his house... You mean you haven't? Well, he said it would only take an hour to kill and clean it, and Kathy was having such a good time with it. But it's after 10 o'clock. Well, I didn't figure there was any hurry, so... Do you know how long it takes to cook a 35-pound turkey? A couple of hours, I guess. A couple? It takes 15 minutes a pound and 35 pounds. That's almost nine hours. Takes that long, huh? Jim Anderson, I... Well, uh, we'd better get started. Uh, Bud, why don't you take Irene... Me? Why do I have to do it? Now, just a minute, Bud. You're going to eat the turkey, aren't you? Well, sure, but why do I have to be the one to have him killed? Margaret, have you ever heard anything so ridiculous in your whole life? 
Well, Bud has become very attached to Irene. Why doesn't Betty take him down? She doesn't even like him. That isn't so. Well, you run away from him every time he comes over. That has nothing to do with it. I think he's very cute. Bud, he's only a turkey. Then why don't you take him down? Just a minute, Bud. Let's not forget, I'm still your father. (laughs) I'm sorry, Dad, but holy cow. Jim, I don't know how much more of this I can stand. You've been arguing the same thing for three days. Honey, look, you'd know exactly what to tell Johnny. I mean, uh, about how you want him cleaned and everything. There isn't anything to tell him. You just clean it, that's all. Okay, I've got another idea. Kathy! You want me, Daddy? Bring Irene up here like a good girl. Okay. Now, here's what we'll do. We'll put Irene in the car, and we'll all drive over to Johnny's together. Jim. It'll do us good to get out in the fresh air. And Jim just... Anderson, you're afraid. Afraid? Why, Irene and I get along fine. That isn't what I mean. You're afraid to have him killed. Margaret, how can you say a thing like that? It's just that, well, I, uh, I, I've got a million things to do around here. I've got to, uh, uh... Yes? Well, I expect to be very busy all morning. And I certainly think that with three children in the house... Now, look, bud. I'm sorry, Dad, but I don't want to have anything to do with it. And don't look at me. That's fine. That's just fine. I ask you to do one little thing for me. Daddy, isn't this cute? Oh, no. My good coat! Kathy, why do you insist on teasing that poor bird? Oh, but he likes it. Don't you, Irene? What's he supposed to be? Santa Claus? Kathy, take my coat off him right now. Gee whiz, he can't even have any fun. And take the ribbon off his head. Yes, Mommy. Excuse me, Irene. Jim? Hmm? Go ahead. What? Jim, it's got to be done, and now. Well, okay. Uh, uh, let me have the rope, Kathy. What are you going to do? I, um, uh, I'm going to take Irene for a little ride, that's all. No. Bud, take the roaster and the dressing. Yes, ma'am. Oh, Mother. Now, we've got to be sensible about this, you know. I'll be, uh, back in a little while. Uh, now, come on, Irene. <laughs> Mommy! Oh, my poor baby. Well, if you're going to do a thing, you might as well do it right. That's what I always yes, say. Yes, sir. Oh, excuse me, Tom. Heck, can I speak to you for a minute? Oh, how you doing, Jim? Ed and I were just we saying... We feel that... sort of like the fairy godfather of this whole clam bake. You do, huh? Why, sure. We brought the turkey over, didn't we? What a turkey. Yeah. And what a party. I've had three helpings of everything. You've had four. <laughs> Well, who keeps score? Jim does. Very funny, both of you. And I hope you know what this party's costing me, you and your turkey. What are you kicking about? Only cost you a dime, didn't it? That's what you think. Daddy! By the time I got through with... Daddy, want to hear something cute? I'm very busy, Kathleen. Oh, but it'll only take a second. Go ahead, honey. (laughs) That means Happy New Year! Uh, Happy New Year, Irene. He was cute, wasn't he, Mommy? Yes, dear. Cute. I wish I'd never laid eyes on him. May I have my coffee, please? Of course, dear. It's a good thing the butcher had an extra turkey, wasn't it, Dad? Oh, yes. Haven't you heard? I'm a very lucky fella. Oh, Jim, you know you're just as happy as we are that Irene wasn't killed. Sure. I'm the happiest guy in Springfield. <laughs> I'm very happy. Mr. Thompson says he'll have his own cage and everything. May I please have the cream and sugar? And I don't think 50 cents is very much. It's cheap considering how much Irene eats. And the man said we can visit him every Sunday if we want to. 
Will someone please pass the cream and sugar? You know, Dad... Bud, please, not now. Here you are, dear. Thank you. Fifty cents a week. That's $26 a year. Just because I took one measly ten-cent chance. <laughs> Gee, isn't it nice to have a lucky father? During this holiday season, we'd like to wish you a very happy new year. For our part, during the year ahead, we're going to see to it that you enjoy wonderfully good coffee every pound of Maxwell House you open. We know that these days you're on the lookout for the most in flavor for every penny you spend. And next year, just as every year, for more than half a century, that's what you can expect in every pound of our Maxwell House coffee. A generous extra measure of flavor in every familiar blue tin. And with this promise from Maxwell House, let me extend again our sincerest wishes for a very happy new year. Friends, this is Robert Young. Tonight, for a moment, I'd like to talk to you about a timely and all-important subject, safe driving. First, I want to report that during 1950, our Father Knows Best Highway Safety Campaign has resulted in more than three million highway safety contracts between parents and their children. We're pretty proud of our part in that accomplishment. We're proud, too, of the makers of Maxwell House Coffee, who have a carefully planned highway safety campaign of their own. Theirs is a campaign to help make the highways safer by improving the safety records of their own drivers. It is a plan that will work for anybody. It will work for you. And to tell you about it, I'm happy to introduce Mr. Clarence Francis, Chairman of the Board of General Foods Corporation. Mr. Francis. Good evening, everyone. Our salesmen, the men who call on your grocer in behalf of our products, operate more than 1,500 automobiles. Day in and day out, these men travel practically every highway in the country and visit every town and city. They are your neighbors, and as part of the job of being good neighbors, we have encouraged them to be good drivers, safe drivers, who respect your rights on the highway. Years ago, we became alarmed at the nation's highway accident rate, and at our own. We knew then that most accidents are preventable. Two years ago, we asked our men to pledge themselves to become safer drivers, and we arrange to remind them of this every time they get into their cars. We do this by placing each salesman's safety record on the dashboard of his car, an emblem which recognizes the achievements of safe drivers. Tonight, I am happy to tell you that our men have responded to this challenge. They have again improved their safety record. Over a two-year period, they have reduced our accident rate by one-third. Tonight, once again, I am challenging each of our drivers, both in the United States and in Canada, to drive his General Foods car safely through the whole year of 1951. And as we go into 1951, we all face a challenge, a challenge to everything we hold important. This is a year of crisis and of great national effort and it calls for sacrifice and self-discipline by all of us. Here is something we each can do to strengthen our country at this time of need. We can help preserve our most precious national resource, our human resource, by resolving to reduce the toll of highway accidents. So I hope you and our audience tonight will join us in our pledge to drive safely through 1951. At breakfast time, you don't have to say... You children eat your cereal right this instant. Just say... Hopalong Cassidy is crazy about hot wheat meal. Just a little psychology. 
Yes, to get your children to eat a hot cereal, just tell them post-wheat meal is Hopalong Cassidy's favorite hot cereal, and they'll eat it too. Post-wheat meal is chuck full of solid whole wheat nourishment, has a wonderful nut-like flavor, and it cooks in just three and a half minutes. You'll see, you'll all agree, it's the best hot cereal you ever ate. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Bargey and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. So until next Thursday night, for all of us and for the makers of Maxwell House Coffee, may we wish you again a very happy New Year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Jello, everybody. Yes, it's the Gay Family series starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, transcribed and brought to you by the Jello family of Red Letter Desserts. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tap. Pioca puddings. Yes, sir. And now Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper. Two people who live together and like it. <laughs> And now, let's look in on the Coopers. It's evening, and Liz and George are sitting in the living room, admiring their Christmas tree. George, you know, I think this is the prettiest Christmas tree we ever had. Yeah, it's a nice one, all right. But I was wondering if we shouldn't take it down tonight. Take it down? George, it isn't even New Year's. Oh, but Liz, look at it. The needles are falling off, the branches are drooping. Oh, it looks pretty sad. Well, you'd look pretty sad, too, if you had your trunk stuck in a bucket for three weeks. <laughs> well, the least we can do is put away our presents from under the tree. Okay. Gee, wasn't it a wonderful Christmas, George? I got every single thing I wanted. Yeah, so did I, honey. You know, now that it's all over... I want to tell you about something I almost bought for you, but it was too expensive. Oh? What was that? A set of matched golf clubs. Hey, really? Yeah. Well, Liz, I appreciate the thought, but uh, that would have meant a lot of money. Well, that's what I thought. And I just said to myself, after all, it isn't the gift, it's the thought behind it that counts. Well, that's true, dear. I knew you'd understand. As long as we're having post-mortems, uh, there's something I almost bought for you, but didn't because it was too expensive. Oh, what was it? A mink jacket. <laughs> A mink jacket? Yeah. I saw it in the window at Miller's, and it would have looked so great on you. A mink jacket? <laughs> but it cost so much money, I really couldn't afford it, so I just decided like you did. It isn't the gift, it's the thought behind it that counts. Since when? <laughs> I knew you'd understand. All my life I've wanted a mink jacket, and I've never had one. I've never had a fur coat at all, not even a rabbit-dyed imitation skunk. Well, honey, I, I didn't know it meant that much to you, but, well, it's too late now. No, it isn't. Look, George, take all my other presents back. I don't care if I have another thing, if I can just have a mink jacket. No, that still wouldn't be enough money. Even if we took your presents back, too? <laughs> no. But, George, that little jacket is just exactly what I need to wear to the Atterbury's New Year's Eve party. Well, I'm sorry, honey. Well, actually, I need it, George. I don't have a thing to wear. 
Well, then it's simple. You can go as the new year. Oh, you... What's the matter, Mrs. Cooper? You've been moping. I didn't get a mink jacket for Christmas. Oh? Well, if it'll make you feel any better, I didn't get one either. (laughs) You don't understand. George almost bought me one, but he decided it was too expensive. Oh, it's terrible to have been so close. I can almost feel it. Well, maybe he'll give you one next year. Maybe. Only I wanted it to wear to the Atterbury's New Year's party. Darn it. Now that George has the idea of getting me a coat, I certainly hate to see it slip away. It's a shame, all right. Katie, you've watched me get things out of George for a long time. What method would work best? Well, uh, crying is always effective. No, that's only good for traffic tickets, overdrawn bank accounts, and crumpled fenders. (laughs) I've done a lot of research on that. Uh, How about smooching? Uh Uh-uh. I get so carried away with the smooching, I forget what I'm after. I'm dead. Wouldn't that make you sick? Yeah. Wait a minute. I just said it. That's what I'll be. Dead? No, sick. George always buys me what I want when I'm sick. When my temperature goes up, his resistance goes down. It certainly does. I guess I'll have to come down with Liz Cooperitis. Oh? Now, no matter what I do, Katie, don't be frightened. Do you think you really should go through with that? Yes. I know it's being mean, but all's fair in love and mink. Oh, gee, that was a good dinner, honey. Oh, it certainly was. What would you like to do tonight? Oh, I don't care. Want to go to a movie? Harvey with James Stewart is playing at the Strand. Hmm, sounds good. Is there another feature? Yeah. The second picture's called... <gasps> Who's in it? <laughs> Liz, Liz, are you sick? If I weren't, would I be groaning like this? Well, what's the matter? Oh, I don't know. I just had a strange pain. Ah! Gee, honey, I wonder what caused it. I don't know. I was just sitting here when suddenly... Ah! (laughs) There it is again. Oh, Liz. Come on, let me help you. Ah! Oh. Here, here, stretch out on the couch. Yeah, I guess I'd better. Oh, what what seems to be the trouble? Well, it's... Where does it hurt? Well, it was in my left foot at first. Then it was my right knee. And just a minute ago, it was in my head. Oh, my goodness, is there anything I can do, honey? Oh, no, no. I remember now. I used to have these attacks when I was a child. Oh? Yeah, I'll go up to bed and suffer in silence. Oh, well, wait a minute. Doesn't anything help? No, no. Well, there might be something. I remember the doctor said to give me little presents, you know, anything I wanted, just to make me happy. Oh. (laughs) I think I'm beginning to understand your disease a little better. That's good. And I know just what I should get for you. You do? You do? Yes. uh, Excuse me, I want to make a phone call. Oh, fine, dear. Now, don't worry about me. I'll be all right. I'll be right back. All right. Oh, uh, Katie, would you go in and stay with Mrs. Cooper while I make a phone call? Uh, she's ill. Yes, of course, Mr. Cooper. Oh, you poor thing. What seems to be the trouble? Oh. <laughs> Never mind, Mrs. Cooper. He can't hear you now. Are you sure? Yes. Did it work? Katie, I can't believe it. It worked better than my wildest dreams. 
He's gone to make a phone call, and I think it's about the coat. Really? Oh, here he comes again. Oh. Well, Liz, I think you're going to feel a lot better pretty soon. Oh, you do? What's going to happen? I call the doctor, and he'll be right out. Jackets are lovely to look at, no doubt of it, but you can't eat them. Whereas, take Jell-O now, lovely to look at and delicious to eat. And you can make Jell-O a whole lot quicker than Liz is going to get that coat. Yes, with the swell new quick-setting method, you can have a beautiful finished Jell-O dessert in just about one hour. Dissolve your Jell-O in one cup of hot water. Then add one cup of ice cubes or crushed ice, filling the cup to the brim with water. Stir until the ice melts completely, then pop into the refrigerator to chill firm. And in just about one hour, you have a gorgeous, glamorous Jell-O dessert all ready to serve. All six delicious Jell-O flavors are chock full of wonderful fruit-like richness. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. And all six sparkling Jell-O colors are as gay and cheerful as New Year's Eve. So look for those big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. And Jell-O spells a year-long treat. Yes, it's Jell-O for red-letter desserts. J-E-L-L-O. And now back to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband. As we look in on the Coopers once again, Liz is pretending to be sick. And George, who is worried about her, has called the doctor. Oh, hello, Dr. Stevenson. Come on in. You sounded so mysterious on the phone, George. What's the matter with Liz? Well, I'm not sure. I think she has a rare disease, the only cure for which is a mink coat. Oh, I get it. Well, this is the second time she's pulled this. The last time it was the flu. But I wanted a television set anyway. <laughs> I see. Uh, what do you want me to do? Give her a good scare. Then maybe she'll quit doing this. Leave it to me, George. I think I know how to handle this. <laughs> good. Uh, come on, she's in the bedroom. Liz, the doctor's here. Oh, hello, Dr. Stevenson. I'm sorry George bothered you just to come and see me. Now, Liz, don't you worry about that. When you're sick, that's when you need your doctor. Well, but that's just it. I, I was feeling bad a little while ago, doctor. But the funniest thing, <laughs> as soon as he called you, I felt better. Now, let's not be hasty. Oh, no, no, really, I feel fine. I think I'll get up and get dressed. You know, don't move. Stay there in bed. What do you mean? You're a sick girl, Liz. I am? <laughs> your eyes, your color. Let me see your tongue. Well, all right. Mmm. <laughs> what? Mmm. <laughs> what? Mmm. <laughs> what is it? George, I wish you'd called me sooner. It may be too late. Too late? George, I'd better speak to you out in the hall. Very well. Doctor. No. No, is something really wrong with me? Tell me, I can take it. Frankly, Liz, it looks to me like you have a severe case of the flim jabs. <laughs> the flim jabs? Yes, it's a rare tropical disease from the West Indies. Oh. Gee, Liz, this is awful. Well, how serious is it, Doctor? Well, I might as well be honest with you. If it gets any worse, we may have to operate. Operate? Yes. We'll have to go in and take out your torkel. <laughs> my torkel? No. There's nothing wrong with my torkel. Now, there's no use getting alarmed. A lot of people live for years without a torkel. They do? <laughs> well, is it painful? No, no. We anesthetize thoroughly for a torkelectomy. 
Of course, you'll never be able to yammel again. <laughs> I won't. Well, tell me, Doctor, will you have to remove the whole torkel? Well, maybe we'll be lucky and can save half of it. <laughs> After all, half a torkel is better than not. Well, I, I should say so. I hate to think of never yammeling again. <laughs> What's yammeling? <laughs> It's an involuntary peristalsis of the transverse clavis. Oh. Well, uh, tell me, Doctor, is there anything we can do for her? All we can do is wait. The crisis should be passed in 24 hours. Just wait and hope she doesn't turn green. Green? Yes. That's the real danger sign. Well, what happens then? If you turn green, three hours later, gone. Gone? Gone. Oh, my poor Liz. Oh, come on now, honey. Let's let's be my big, brave girl. I am being brave. Well, I've got to be going along. I'll, I'll see you to the door, Doctor. Hey, now, Liz. Yes? You stay in bed and drink lots of water and fruit juice. All right. And I'll see you tomorrow at this same time. I hope. <laughs> Mrs. Cooper, are you awake? And Mrs. Atterbury's here to see you. Liz, girl, how are you? Hello, Iris. Just ring if you want me. George told me about you, girl. I'm on my way to the bridge club, and I thought I'd drop by and see you. Well, thank you, Iris. It was good of you to take the time. Well, after all, girl, I'm your best friend. And anyway, I had to find out what you had so I could make a full report to the girls. <laughs> well, you might as well know, Iris. I've got the flim jabs. <laughs> the flim jabs? What's that? It's a rare tropical disease. Oh, how exciting! <laughs> oh, this will make Betty Ricky's gallstones look sick. <laughs> She'll be absolutely green. She's not the only one. <laughs> what? That's one of the danger signs. I may turn green. She lives. With a green face and your red hair, you'll be out of this world. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Iris, if I turn green, three hours later, gone. Gone? Gone. You mean gone as in to your reward? That's right. But Liz, I, I, I can't believe it. How did you catch this uh, flim-flam or whatever it is anyway? Who knows? I was only pretending at first. George didn't want to buy me a mink coat, and I wanted one so badly to wear to your party that I acted oh, like... Oh, no. Not that stale sympathy routine. Yes. I pretended to be sick, and the next thing I knew, I had the flim jabs.
Hello, George. Hi, Doctor. Come on in. Uh, how's our little patient? Is she all over the flim jabs? Uh, not exactly. She just turned green. What? That's impossible. There is no such thing as flim jabs. No, but uh, there is such a thing as a green light bulb. Oh, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I did. She's taking a nap. As soon as she fell asleep, I put a green bulb in the light in her room. Come on, let's go wake her up. Liz, the doctor's here. Give me that. That's my torkel. <laughs> She's still asleep. Liz, uh, wake up. The doctor's here. What? Oh, gee, it's dark. Turn on the light, George. All right. Well, Liz, how are you feeling? Oh, just fine, Doctor. I guess I've come through the 24-hour crisis without turning... (laughs) What's the matter? Look at my hands. They're green. You're right. They are. And your face, too. My face. Hand me a mirror, George. Oh, here you are, my poor green darling. Oh, my face and my hair. Wait a minute. You had the flim jabs, too. What do you mean? You're both green. Us? Doctor, do I look green to you? No. But you're not green to me, either. Oh, no. This is the end. I'm looking at the world through green-colored eyeballs. <laughs> look, honey. Oh, I... George. I'm going. This is it. I know it. Farewell, my love. Oh, goodbye. Now, Liz, don't get so upset. I'm sorry, dear. It's just that I don't die every day and it's new to me. (laughs) Look, Liz, maybe we can still save you. No. No, a person knows these things. I can feel it in my bones. Green bones, that is. (laughs) Liz, I have a confession to make. So have I, George. Well, but but let me tell you mine first. Well, no, George, let me. I won't be here as long as you will. (laughs) Well, all right. George, from time to time, I've smashed things on our car. Here a hood, there a fender, now a running board and occasionally a trunk. (laughs) And I had them fixed and didn't tell you about it. Yes, Liz? In fact... The only thing left of the original car you bought is the ashtray in the back seat. That's very interesting. Have you uh, anything more to confess? Yes. Last night when I said I was sick, I was only pretending so you'd get me a mink coat. Liz, how could you? Isn't that awful? Aren't you ashamed? Oh, yes, I am, George. I wish I was dead. Oh, no. Honey, let me tell you my confession. Go ahead, George. You wonderful husband, you. No, no, honey, honey. You, you don't have the flim jabs. It's a trick the doctor and I played on you because I knew you were trying to get a mink coat. Why, you big stinker! (laughs) Wait a minute. I'm still green. I put a green light in the lamp. George Cooper, you just wait till I get well. Oh, I forgot. I haven't been sick. (laughs) I'll get it. Hello. Is that you, Liz, girl? Iris, are you crying? I can't help it, girl. The whole bridge club's been bawling ever since I told them you were going to leave us tonight. Oh, Iris, I'm going to be here a while longer. Well, that's I... it, Liz. Be brave. Hang on to every precious minute. <laughs> oh, Iris, don't cry. I'm, I'm going to be all right. Well, you just keep saying that, Liz. We girls just had a little ceremony in your memory. Memory? But, Iris, I... We turned your chair to the wall and smashed your cheek up in the fireplace. (laughs) Well, that's very sweet, Iris, but listen to me now. Don't talk, don't talk. Save your strength. Elizabeth Cooper, the whole club joins me in this tribute 
to you, our soon-to-be former member. <laughs> Listen closely. There. What was that? <laughs> Ten seconds of silence. <laughs> Well, coming from that Gabby Bridge Club, uh, that's a real tribute. <laughs> that's the way. I'll tell them you went with a joke on your lips. Look, Iris... Please let me finish. I may break down entirely. <laughs> we took the whole treasury and bought you a goodbye present. Now, Iris, listen to... What was it? A mink coat. <laughs> a mink coat? Yes, girl. We figured if you've got to go, we wanted you to go in style. <laughs> I know how you must feel, girl. Goodbye. I'll see you tomorrow. I mean, goodbye. <laughs> What's the matter, Liz? The girls in the club are giving me a mink coat. Well, honey, isn't that what you wanted? Yeah, but I have to die to get it. <laughs> yes, Lucille, what's up tonight? Tonight we play a couple of nomads lost in the desert. A little desert music, please, Wilbur. Water! Water! I've been floundering on this desert for three days. Wait! I see something moving. Hello! Hello, Wilbur! <laughs> I can't believe it. Hey, Bob. I said I, I said I can't believe my eyes. You're a human. I am. <laughs> oh, I am. I am. Yeah. Oh, my! Glad to see you. I'm lost. Well, I'm glad to see you. I'm Smith. Put her there. <laughs> no, I mean I'm lost. I don't know where I am. You don't? No. Well, it's all right, Bob. I know where you are. Oh, thank heavens. Where? Right there. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to find my camp. It's right near a big dune. A dune? What's a dune? What's a dune? Oh, I don't know. What's dune with you? <laughs> Wait. Look over there. Where? A mirage. Where? Over there. Where? I, I see palm trees. Where? And a little lake. You do? <laughs> yes, don't you? No, I see a big bowl of jello. How come? I ain't being paid for seeing palm trees and lakes, that's how come. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yeah. I see it too now. Yeah, well, high time, Buster. <laughs> of course I can see it. Six big bowls of jello in those six delicious flavors. Yeah. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Jello with a flavor that's locked in so it can't get out till your first delicious spoonful. Boy, when you see him, you really see him, don't you? <laughs> what else, Bob? Look for those big red letters in the box, for they spell jello, and jello spells a treat. Nice work, Bob. Well, let's go home. Go home? Yeah. We're lost in the desert. Well, why don't we each take one of those cars? What cars? The ones over there. That's a two-car mirage. Good night, Bob. You have been listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's transcribed program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll, Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie, the maid, was played by Ruth Parrott. Henry, what are 
are you thinking about? Why, that new instant Sanker coffee, dear. It certainly is wonderful. Sure thing. Just look at the new richer coffee color. Taste the new full-bodied real coffee flavor. Discover how much less instant Sanka costs. And did you know the makers of Instant Sanka make the only caffeine-free coffee? The kind that can't affect anybody's nerves or sleep. Try the new Instant Sanka. It's wonderful. Be sure to listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week, presented by... Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tap. The yolk of puddings. Yes, sirree. The name Jell-O is a registered trademark of General Foods. Bob Lamond speaking. I hope you enjoyed our New Year's Eve special of the podcast, and I hope you enjoyed Season 2. I'd like to give a sincere thank you to all of you listeners who have been tuning in every episode and enjoying the podcast, and for the great reviews and feedback you've sent over the last two years. A reminder that if you're listening to us on Spotify, you can now rate podcasts, so I hope you'll give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying the show. And I hope everyone has a happy New Year. We'll see you back here for Season 3 on Monday, January 10th.